How's it going, everyone? This is the Dirt Bike Channel Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Brotherson, and I'm super excited for today. Um, I need to do this more often. I've got a special guest in studio. When I say in studio, it sounds it sounds really a lot cooler than it is because it's just here in my basement office. It's definitely a studio. It, it's a it's kind of studio-ish feeling. So I've got Sam Benyon with me here. So Sam is a really, really passionate dirt biker. Sam and I um, we just met today, but the funny part is we've ridden with, I've ridden with several people who know Sam. Um, and so we've, our, our Venn diagram, if you will, it, it has some overlaps in it. If we were to, if we were to graph that out, diagram it out, but today we finally made acquaintance for, uh, for real. So it's nice to meet you. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Yeah. It's great. Great to have you here. We were just, we just kind of went over and discussed some things like what we want to talk about today is really just this idea of pushing yourself, right? Um, a few weeks ago, Sam sent me an email and he said, Hey, I'd like to, uh, I think you said in your email, I think you said, I want to sponsor a podcast. And, and I'm like, okay. So I look at it. Because I'm always asking people to email me. If you have if you have podcast topics, the best way to get in touch with me is over email. Email me, Kyle at dirtbikechannel.com. And Sam did that. So he emails me and he says, Hey, I'd like to sponsor a podcast. Um, and I read through and he had a really, really well art very well articulated email. And essentially he's like, Hey, this is what I'd like I'd like you to talk about. And I I read through the email and I'm going, okay. I need to bring Sam here in studio because I don't want him to sponsor this. I want us to have the discussion. So thank you so much for for sending that email and making, you know, reaching out because I think I think what we have to talk about today could be really helpful to some people. So tell so Sam, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you where you grew up, kind of a little bit of your background in dirt bikes and and then we can kind of jump into this idea of pushing yourself and and what what are some of the the messages and the the lessons that we've learned over the years. Yes, yeah, so um as you mentioned, I love dirt bikes. I didn't start in dirt bikes. I didn't grow up riding dirt bikes. Um and when I got into dirt bikes, I kind of did it all wrong. Uh but I grew up on a, a ranch in Wyoming, uh, fourth generation. My dad hated bikes. Farm boy. Farm boy. And uh, so uh, when I had the chance, when I went to, to college uh, down here in uh, Utah, I went and bought a motorcycle, just whatever I could afford, a uh, street bike, and started getting into bikes. And as I was kind of telling you, I've, I've made about every mistake possible, but I just always have loved bikes and wanted to be involved. Had friends that uh, once had street bikes. Uh, I, I traded uh, some stuff and ended up with this Kawasaki 250. It was a KLR 250, so this little dual sport bike, right? Nice. And he's like, hey, uh, this guy in my neighborhood, after I traded this bike and had it, uh, he's like, hey, you want to go on a ride with us? Uh, and he was a, a guy that was a great rider, had adventure bikes. He was riding a KTM 990. And the other guy that went with us was on a KLR 650, and then there's me on a 250, and they just left me in the dust. I mean, I remember going up this hill uh, on the road, and I had my garbage sack uh, over my my uh, sleeping bag. I've got no <laughs> the, riding. The, pl- the plast- plastic garbage sack, this is how you're carrying the, yeah, the sleeping bag. Right. Classic. No nothing. Uh, I don't even have, I got a street helmet on, right? So I don't even have a dirt helmet. I got a street helmet on, garbage sack, on a 250 trying to go up a hill alone. And um, 
went out with these guys, uh, got to the adventure riding bug from that. Just one night, it was a great time. Uh, kind of went from a 250 to bought a KLR 650, bought some other adventure bikes, and just started getting into to these trips, camping, going out with the guys. Uh, later, uh, I had a guy, the same friend who got me uh, on the adventure bike, to uh, he say, hey, we're, there's this group that goes to uh, Baja. Um, and this is a shout-out for Paul Edmonds and his group, UTMA. Hey, you want to go down to Baja? I said, well, great, sure, yeah. So I bought my first dirt bike to go to Baja on, and we did a 1,000-mile ride. And what did you buy? It was a KTM 525. What year? I'm going to say it was a 2005 or six, something okay. like that. So my first dirt bike was that, and I went to Baja. And that and was about 10 years ago, that right? That was exactly 10 years ago. So at this point, I'm um, married, got kids, just getting into dirt biking, really. I'd done some dual sport riding a little bit, but really like going like going out, go to Baja and get, get obliterated. Um, you know, a 1,000 miles when you're not, conditioned is hard going in the sand when you've never been is hard i would think that'd be hard even if you are conditioned you know i've never i've never done baja but i know that if i went there right now it would uh, the first few days i'd just get trashed and then you'd kind of get into the flow probably yeah it, i got obliterated but i loved it i i loved going that was my first bike got back i sold the bike I actually blew it up the last 10 miles going in to san felipe the head blew up on it but i made it got back uh sold the bike and then played around with a couple other dirt bikes. Um, I at one point bought a 250 SXF because I thought, you know, if it can jump on the track and go really fast on the <laughs> track, it would be awesome in the trail. Uh, and with the right, if you do the right stuff to it, they are pretty awesome on the trails. That but, was a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. So had that for one ride and uh, got rid of that. Had a 450 because, of course, you got to have a 450. Um, and it was an EXC, so, so it wasn't was it, a motocross. Did you, was there like some list that you looked at that said like the top 10 mistakes that you make and then you just started making them in order? Yeah, I, there was a buffet <laughs> for mistakes and I got online. <laughs> oh, I, I only say that because I can relate to this so much. The, the, details, the details are different, but the themes are the same. And I think so many people can relate to that. So I just, I love, I love that story. Your story here as we're going through, going through it, so... You got the 450, and then and then what? Well, so How did here's, that go? here's the mistake line again. Um, I get this 450 because some guys are going riding in Moab, right? So I get the 450, buy it, it's used, get down there, and literally I'm setting it up in the hotel room, you know, putting the handlebars <laughs> on. You brought it in the hotel room? Oh, yeah, it was right in the hotel. I, I just, one of my favorite pictures. It's sitting in the hotel room. Nice. Um, and setting this thing up. And so I go out on it, and we go and do a ride, and guess who struggles? The guy who's up late, doesn't get to bed, <laughs> hasn't ridden his bike, it's geared wrong, it's not jetted, um, and you get really frustrated when you go because everybody's doing better than you, and you're in the back of the line, the thing won't start, you're getting killed, right? And then you're like, why yeah. do I do this? <laughs> <laughs> but you keep coming back. You know, you, you got, I think what you, you got bit by the bug. You, you always liked motorcycles. It sounded like you grew up, you learned how to ride or you learned how to drive a manual or a stick shift on mm -hmm. tractor in Wyoming, right? Right. So talk, talk about that a little bit. Cause you, you mentioned something before we hit record where, you know, this whole thing, like your dad taught you what to do with the clutch and you found out that maybe in dirt bikes, it, it can work a little differently. Well, so here's how clueless, um, I am at this. Uh, it was with my first big adventure bike and, 
So I was, uh, it was after I'd sold the KLR. I had a, a bigger adventure bike, a KTM. And I'm with my friend, Gary, who's a great rider. And he, uh, we go off this hill and then we turn around and go up this hill. And I can't get this bike up this hill. It's dying. It's quitting. It's just stopping. I'm getting frustrated. I can't get up there. And yet he went up the hill. So here we have the same bike. He's on the exact same bike, KTM 950 Super Enduro for all you adventure guys um we're both on the same bike and the same hill the only thing different is the rider he goes right up but and i can't get up there it's gotta be it gotta be his jetting though right it's yeah definitely tire. maybe his tire maybe it was the oil (laughs) so i (laughs) stop and i'm like what did you do to get up the hill like that because it was so effortless i mean so effortless and he's like well you gotta feather the clutch Say that again. So, clutches and feathers and birds. What are we talking about? What do you do? Because I grew up on a ranch, all right, fourth generation here. And growing up, dad was always like, on the tractor, you do not ride the clutch. You put it in, you let it out, you get going, and you get your foot off the clutch. Same thing. You know, you're feeding the cows in the truck. You don't ride that clutch, you burn it up. And so I was always like, you don't do that to a clutch. You let it out, but lo and behold, when it comes to dirt bike riding, clutch control is everything, right? So everything. This is where my skill set starts: is on a hill trying to figure out how you get up it and why someone's doing it and I can't. And he says, "Feather the clutch," and your mind explodes. Yeah. What do you mean? So <laughs> you're like, "No, you can't feather the clutch." But apparently, it works because he went right up it. Uh, so yeah, there you go. So that's kind of how my skill sets are, but I, I had the wrong bikes, this, that finally in 2015, the same friend, I don't know why he's still my friend, uh, because I do everything wrong, you know, but he's like, Hey, some of us are getting some betas, some beta 300 RRs. Never had a two stroke, by the way. I, I didn't think that you really wanted a two stroke. This is the turning point in the story. I can tell. So it is. <laughs> I get this brand. And it was the first thing I'd ever bought new in my life, by the way. So I get this brand new Beta 300RR race edition. Gorgeous looking bike. But it was uh, really, it was a Marzocchi front suspension, super soft. Uh-huh. But all of a sudden, this bike, I could do things. I, I mean, I liked the bike. I started trying things on the bike. Um, I remember I had this culvert in my backyard that I just had sitting around, dragged it to the backyard. It was old construction debris. Started to try to jump over this culvert, right, to come up and hit it and go over it. It's probably 18 inches. And that thing, I would drive up to that thing, stop, look at it. And I, I knew you could get over it. I'd seen videos of people doing this all the time, but I couldn't get over the thing, right? Yeah. How do you get the case to go over the middle of the log or this round? Because you, you're going, I've got 12 inches of, of uh, clearance here, and that's before I get on the bike. And now I'm on the bike, and now I've got like nine inches of clearance. And how do you get it to go over a 20-inch obstacle is what you're thinking, yeah. right? So you're there, like, it's impossible. There it begins, and this mental thing of how do you do it? You come up, you're scared, you hit it, you fall over, you do it again, you fall over. Um, anyway, this is the bike where I started to try this stuff, right? And this is where dirt biking was kind of came in to its own for me. I, I got excited even more. And it was the first bike that uh, I started to have some success with. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a perfect segue into announcing what we want to talk about today, which is just pushing yourself and, and, and progressing in dirt bikes. 
And the first thing that Sam and I want to want to just put out there is the point of this podcast is not to make you feel bad about where you're at in your writing. It's not to say that, hey, Sam and I have figured out the way that you have to do this. Um, what we want to do is we want to talk about some themes and some concepts and maybe some common pitfalls that you might have seen in your writing or with your writing groups. Um, we want to talk about how you could how you can improve and how you can push yourself safely and make incremental improvements. And and just just so you know who we're talking about, if you're if you've got if you're sitting at a computer, um, go ahead. If you search uh, for Sam's channel on YouTube, it's the SOB channel, just SOB channel. Cause it Sam Otis, right? Yeah. So SOB is the initials. A lot of people yeah. are like, why'd you do that? Yeah. It's not son of a, it's, it's Sam Otis Benyon channel. Um, just specifically look up Moab elevated. It's, it's called Moab elevated the view from a dirt bike. Most of these shots in here are Sam doing the riding with his buddies. Um, he's doing some stuff in here. The, I bring it up just because Sam has made a lot of progression in the last well, five years. He's been riding for 10, but in the last, he really got serious with that beta 300 RR. And in the last five years, he's just made consistent, consistent progress. And he's, he's pushed himself. He's gotten him out. He's gotten himself outside of his comfort zone enough times to where it's like, wow, he's made a lot of progress. I watched that video and I'm going, okay, several of those things. I'm like, yeah, that looks like fun. And then several of them, I'm like, I don't know if I would do that. Uh, because I'm not sure that I'm there with my writing. But the point of this is to say, hey, look, how do you get from point A in your writing to point B in your writing safely? How do you get there efficiently? How do you get there safely? And do you even want to get there? If you're fine with the if you're if you're fine with your writing now and you don't really want to improve, then this discussion will just be an entertaining one that you can, you know, listen to as you drive down the way, you know, down the road. If you want to improve, then maybe some of the concepts that Sam and I are going to talk about today, you're going to find useful. And that's kind of what the premise of this podcast is. We want to offer some ideas, maybe some illustrations, verbal illustrations, because we're in podcast form of how it might, how it might look to go from point A to point B. Is that, is that kind of a good representation of what, what we, what we're hoping to accomplish, Sam? Absolutely. I uh, I think if it motivates you to go out and ride and to try to, uh, some new things, try to improve, that's the point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that is to me, the reason why I really got bit by the bug of dirt bikes in the beginning is just of, I was able to see the progression I had been doing a lot of different things, shooting guns, playing guitar. Guitar was a really good one for me because I had to work so hard at guitar. I played guitar for 15 years and I had to work so hard at it. And my gains, I just, I just wasn't good. I wasn't making progress. And then I move over to dirt bikes and I could go riding every other week and I could see progress every time. And that was so exhilarating for me and so rewarding for me. And that has, you know, been one of the biggest things I've loved about dirt bikes is being able to make that progress. And it's incremental. You know, these, this is something that we really wanted to drive home is the growth that you want to have probably, especially to stay safe, needs to be incremental. You know, we want to, we want to mentally prepare ourselves to maybe hit bigger obstacles or, or bigger drops or just bigger challenges so that we can continue to grow in our ability and so let's talk, Sam, about this incremental growth and, and maybe how, how that looks. You, in your email, you kind of illustrated beautifully a point about 
about logs. Can we can we talk about those like smaller log working up? What what were what are your thoughts on on that? Yeah, so I think logs make a great example, although it's uniform across the board. But you know, in our trail riding, whatever, there's all these things that we go over and. You have the choice a lot of times to go over or around, right, Kyle? Because um, someone has made an out almost always to almost go around always. it, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, having the confidence to come up to something that you haven't seen, haven't been to, and, and just handle it. And and how do we handle that? And how do you do that? And, and what, uh, what facilitates that? Um, and so in, in my thoughts to you is like, you know, we start by going over something small. We start with an eight inch log, right? And then we go to a 10 and, and once that becomes easier and we feel good about it, then we go to 12 or 16 and then 20. Right. And then all of a sudden you're starting to hit some logs that are pretty sizable. Right. And then maybe uh, you say, you know, I can do 20 pretty easy. I, I can handle that. Or maybe you can't, maybe that's where you work for a while, but rather than possibly go around, you hit the log and then you turn around and, hit it the other way and then maybe do it five or six more times and uh, continue to just hit this log and log and over and over. Then you go to a 24 and then all of a sudden you start to see that, Hey, it's just the size. And what do I do to get to the next level? Do I, you know, what do I do? Do I keep trying it? How do I do it? But I have found that, yeah, just continuing to push myself on about every ride and say, gosh, that's a little bigger than I'm used to, but I'm going to, I'm going to give it a try. And I'm okay if I don't make it over. Yeah, and something else that I've noticed is it's it's really good to practice things, you know, over and over. And usually, when I practice, let's let's just say a log or or getting up a step up or a ledge or something like this. Usually, what we want to do is we want to get perpendicular to that obstacle and hit it at a ninety degree angle, and and that's really good to kind of get the technique down because your bike is going to deflect less if you if you can get onto it, you know, ninety degrees. Problem is, in the real world, a lot of times you can't hit it at 90 degrees. So in that same um, example that Sam's talking about where you're going to hit this, eight, let's just say an 18-inch log. If you're comfortable hitting an 18-inch log straight on at 90 degrees, what'll happen is you'll come across a 14-inch log on the trail that's not straight on. And now you have to be like, do I dare do that? And, and for me, the way it works is I build up the confidence level enough that I know I can handle the 18-inch log at 90 degrees. I know it. Like, I just feel it. I've done it 100 times. I feel it. And then I see this log that's maybe a little bit less, or it, it could even be the same, but I'm not exactly lined up to it. It's kind of a, like a you know off-angle type thing. But because I have enough confidence you know, in my ability I'm okay to try it and it gets me a little bit out of my comfort zone. And, and that's, a, that's another thing that you mentioned that I want to really just reiterate is how do we make these improvements? I think what we should be doing is we should be looking for opportunities in our rides to get out of our comfort zone a little bit on each ride. Each, Absolutely. Each ride, I'm not saying we're going to you know go from zero to hero in one ride. But what I'm saying is look for things, look for opportunities, whether it's a log, whether it's a drop, maybe it's some jump or, or, or a gap that you're doing or, or just a corner, look for opportunities where you can get a little bit outside your comfort zone, because that's the only way that we make improvements. Same thing with our muscles. If, if you don't ever stress a muscle, you're never going to get it to grow. And so I don't, 
talk about making these huge I'm not talking about make, you know, making huge risks, but you need to get, find a way to get a little bit outside your comfort zone, um, on each ride. Is that something that you've found? And, and what's an example of that, that you've, you've noticed in your writing? Uh, no, I agree. I think, um, and, and kind of the point of this is I've gone on enough rides now with, with different guys that you can get in this mindset of always hitting the easiest line when you're going down the trail because you don't want to be slower or uh, you're keeping up or whatever. It's just easy to go around the easy, you know, you see the easiest line because that's the one the most traveled. It really is when you go down the trail. And to start to look and say, this is a harder line and I'm going to go over it and start to get in that mindset of this is a harder line, I'm going to take it. Um, so many guys though that I've gone with and... And it's fine because it all depends on where you're at, right, Kyle? Yeah. But so many guys, um, like, I want to do that, but they're not, you know, you have to push yourself. You just have to. Um, if you want to improve, you got to push yourself. It, it, right. Thanks. You, you, but you have to just take it to the next level. Uh, incrementally is, is kind of the point, but you have to keep trying stuff that's a little harder, a little harder. Um, I remember out at Chimney Rock once going out there and you unload it this spot kind of, I don't know how to explain You unload it and you look up on this hill and there's these lines. Well, I was up. just here Saturday, there Saturday. You, yeah. So you know, yeah. there's, there's yeah. these lines the going hills. up. And I saw that, I was like, who in the heck goes up that? What the, I mean, it's, and you see at the top, it's real steep. And it just. And it's overhung, uh, like almost overhung on some of them, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's quite, it's quite intimidating. And uh, I remember seeing that and I, I couldn't comprehend going up that. It just was beyond me. But I remember thinking about that obstacle and going back later and then hitting it and hitting the easier one and then hitting a harder one and and getting up that and so it was a real to line up with that and to pull the throttle back and say i'm going for this it you know it butterflies are going i'm nervous i don't know how this is going to go out but to hit it for the first time and to do it um how rewarding that is but it took getting to a place mentally where i'd thought about it and then i came back on another trip i was like i'm mentally ready now i'm gonna go uh, I'm not going to be, you know, fearful. I'm nervous, yes, but I'm I'm ready mentally, and I'm going to hit it and and to hit it and then go over and then to progressively. Now I go back and I mean it's it's a warm up thing, right? And that's not it's just because it's progressed. And I love that about the sport is the fact that this was something at one time I couldn't even comprehend how you'd go up that, why you'd go up that, how you're going to get up that, and then now it's just not a big deal. It totally, it, that's so fun. And I was just there. I got out of the trailer and I did one of the, I did one of kind of like one of the warm up hills. And then I'm there with my boys. It was the beginning of the day. And I went to go up one of the gnarlier ones. And I was just like, it was the first of the day. I haven't done a hill climb like that in almost a year, actually, I think. And I got halfway off it and I just, I just chopped the throttle and I just laid the bike into the hill, came back around. And I told myself, when we come back to the truck, I'm going to hit this hill. And so I did, I didn't pick the gnarliest one, but I picked a couple, I did two or three and went up them. And you know, sometimes it's kind of sketchy at the top. I, I'm like, I was on the intercom with my boys. I'm like, did you guys see that? Cause I like get up the top and kick the bike clear over to the side. And the boys are like, I can't believe you just did that. Right. You know? And then I took them up the side up, up one of the things and, and got them up there. And I'm like, Hey, look off this. And they were just looking down it and they're going in their head, right? dad, you're insane. Right. And I didn't even hit the hardest one. I took one of the harder ones, you know, and they got up to the top and looked down and it's like straight down and they're going, why and how? 
And I'm like, you'll do this someday. You'll, you'll hit a hill just like this, or maybe this exact hill, you know, if we continually progress. And, and one of the points here that we really want to make is that, so you go and you do this, you're uncomfortable, you go up, but you do it and, and you get better. But then you come to a hill climb that's not as gnarly as that. And all of a sudden you've got this confidence, like, that's no big deal. I've done yes. worse. I can do this. And, and you do because you're, and you're not even nervous. You're like, this is, I've looking at my reservoir of skills and experiences and sets of challenges that I've looked at and done. And you say, this is not a problem. And yeah. so I see a big benefit of, yes, that's scary to go up the first time and, and you work up to it, like, like we mentioned. But then once you've done it, all of a sudden, it puts you in a different place for stuff that's that level and below. And it gives you an added, if, if you're like me, it gives you an added satisfaction level on all these other things. I will go on rides where I call them hard enduro training rides uh, with various buddies. And I'll be honest, some of the time I'm super nervous to go on them. Like it will be hard for me to sleep the night before because I know what, well, I know what we're going to get into. And there are times in those rides where I'm probably not really having any fun, but what I'm doing is I'm, I'm like, this is a dedicated ride where I'm going to get out of my comfort zone over and over and over. And then what that does is that then I go on some other ride, some trail ride somewhere, and it just makes them even more fun because now my confidence level is improved. It's increased. I'm having more fun on like these standard obstacles that most normal people are going to do. Right. And it may, it just kind of makes my whole riding uh, that much better. And so if you, if you're, if you're willing to get outside of your comfort zone a little bit on each ride, uh, look for an opportunity to do that. I think that you can really grow and you can make a lot of progress in your abilities. And I think that helps you to, you know, just have, just have more enjoyment from this, from this, from this sport. So we talked, we talked a little bit about a concept that you said really helps you sometimes when at various times in your writing career where you said, you know, either someone told you this or you told yourself this, like, Hey, the bike can do this. Can you talk about what, what you meant with that? Like you just stop, take a breath and be like, Hey, the bike can do this. Can I do it? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So sometimes you get, you know, you're in a place and uh, maybe you've seen someone go up something and they wipe out and they're not doing well. And then all of a sudden you're mentally like, Oh, maybe this is harder than anything. Or, or just any obstacle that you haven't done or something you've struggled on maybe in the past. But sometimes just, you know, we've all been there where you're just nervous about it maybe. Maybe some people don't get nervous, but I do. Um, get nervous about something and I'll stop and, and just be like, this bike I'm on, I know it can do it. It's not the bike. I know the bike's more than capable. It's really, uh, it's me. And so I'll stop and just reassure myself that the bike's good and then, I'll remind myself, I love dirt biking. I, I want to be here right now. You know, I'm yeah. <laughs> sometimes we're, and I'll just, just kind of remember that this is fun. Um, so many times we remember it's fun when we get home. Right. And, th and the next day, like, Oh, that was a good time. Now I want to go back. But when you're in the moment, you're kind of, you know, amped out or tired or hurting, uh, sore, uh, trying to keep up, maybe a little frustrated, but just remind myself, this is a good time. This is fun. The bike's good. I've got it. And that, that is such a real thing. And I think that it's so easy to end up, you know, taking that easier line or, or just tapping out mentally. And, and so let's talk a little bit about how do we know where the line is? Like, how do we know when to draw the line of, no, I'm not going to do this. Or how do we know where that line is, where it really is out of our, 
out of our comfort, uh, out of our ability. I shouldn't say comfort zone because I'm saying purposely a couple times here and there we need to, on a ride, we need to try to get out of our comfort zone. So I'm not saying stay in the comfort zone. If you stay in the comfort zone, you're probably never going to make, well, you're going to make, your progress is going to be stymied. It's going to be slower if you're constantly in the comfort zone. But how do we, how do you, Sam, know when to draw the line? What does that look like in your riding? Tell me, talk about a ride where you felt like, you know what? I'm I'm just going to draw the line here today. I'm I'm okay with with this amount of progression, or I'm not going to try that obstacle. What does that look like for you? Um, I I like the challenge of that dirt bike brings, right? So I love the fact it takes you places mentally that are you know you have to deal with some things. Um, so I love that aspect about it. And maybe I, I look at dirt biking a little different than most because I'm not out every time for a joyride. I go and I enjoy it, but I really get a lot of drive and satisfaction over doing something uh, that was hard and getting better at it or accomplishing some obstacle or something that was hard or afraid of and then and, and doing it and coming back. And so the progression for me is a real driving part of, of the sport. I love that. I love the satisfaction of, coming back to something that was hard and um and doing better at it and so for me um it's never about being the best because there's just too many people who are way better and i'm you know i started late but the fact of and that's fine i'm okay with not being the best that's totally fine i just love the fact of getting better and coming back to something and i can see the progression um and i can tell my confidence is growing and it's interesting that when you're really having fun and your confidence is high, um, I mean, you're having fun. It, they they kind of go together. It's it's when you're getting killed and destroyed, your confidence is low and you're not having fun. So um, I love that part of the sport. Um, I love the fact that you, you know, we're the ones in control on this. So how far do I take it today? Um, and that's something that everybody just has to ask themselves. But I've learned certain things for myself um, that – help me know when to stop or when to go. Um, one thing I've learned is, is being prepared makes such a big difference in my rides. Um, if you've ever stayed up late getting your bike ready the night before and you're changing tires or changing the oil and you go to bed at one and then you're up at six, that's not the way to start a ride because you're tired. Yeah. You know, it's just, and we've all done it. But so, you know, being ready. So now when I come home from a ride, there's usually something needs to be done on the bike. It's got something broken or tires or whatever i do that right away so my bike's ready to go so if you said right now kyle let's go ride i could grab my bike and go it's ready we might we might have that in common because i've got four bikes in the shop that are ready to roll they're just they're ready to go because that's that and that's so important to just prepare in advance you know plan a little bit in advance so that if an opportunity pops up you're you're ready to go that's a great that's a great that's a great thing to mention there so that's that's one of the ways that you prepare so how do but how do you know when to draw the line? Like the, enough is enough. Where does that when does that come in? So for um, you, yeah, I think it's uh, just from experience being writing and and doing things incrementally to where I'm not going to go go back to the log thing. If I'm if I'm working on an eight inch log crossing, I'm not going to go hit a forty. It's just not a wise idea. And if I'm with a group and everybody's hitting it, that's probably the time to say, you know what, this is just out of my league. A bridge too far almost. That's too far to jump for this one. However, rather than not do anything, what about hitting the 10-inch and, and working on that? And if you have to stop and say, 
hey, here's a 10 inch log. I know, you know, and this is kind of the dynamics of group rides and everybody's is different, but you know, it's so great to stop and just hit that stuff. And it's okay to fail in front of your friends, even though they're hitting a big log and you're on a 10 inch and it's not going well. It's so just about um, the incremental progression. So one thing is, yeah, I mean, if I'm, I'm pretty sure I've done something close to this. I can do something like this. I'm going with it. But if it's just way out of my league, you know, you're looking up at that hill. How do you get up there? Maybe I'll think about it for a little bit and then come back on another ride. You know what I mean? And be more ready. But I just think it's knowing uh, from experience what, where you're at, you know, and if you're having a bad day, maybe other days you're doing really well and you'd hit it and do fine. And just having a bad day, it's all right to be like, it's not happening today. You know, my confidence is down, whatever. There's another day to come back. But I'm also a big proponent, why I'm here, of, of not just saying, I'm going to live to fight another day and do nothing. You know, I'm always about, there's something you can do every ride. You know, whether it's trying a little steeper switchback or trying to, even if it's static balance, you know, you go out and you don't have to do a big ride to get better. You go out at night, you stand on your, your bike and try to balance it. And, you know, yeah. just stuff like that. That's awesome. I, I think everyone has probably had that experience where, you know, maybe today just isn't my day and that's okay. That's what Sam was talking about. And I, I even have a, an experience that happened recently where I was on a ride with the, uh, actually it's a mutual friend that, uh, that Sam and I have Garrett and I had just kind of, you know, we're several hours into the ride and it's an area that I had only been once before, but I hadn't been nearly as far into these some of these obstacles as, as uh, Garrett and I were. I'd already looped my bike out once. I'd you know had the bike on top of me, flat on my back once or twice, uh, and I asked to come on this. You know, I I knew it was going to be one of those days, and then we just get to this one obstacle, and I just if you guys have watched the YouTube channel, I just I just didn't want to do it. It just crossed the line for me that day, and. You know, that took, that took, uh, it was, it was humbling. It was very humbling for me, but I just felt like, Hey, look, I've pushed myself, pushed myself mentally, physically. And then here, this one, it just feels different right now. And I put a mental pin in that location and I, I'm going to go back and I'm going to do that. Um, it wasn't like I thought that it was totally out of my ability but it was just a little bit beyond the line that I wanted to do from the mental state that I was in that day. And I'm okay with that. And so I said, okay, I'm going to live to fight another day. And I asked Garrett to punch my bike up into this, up into this crack. And it took a lot of, it took hum, humility for me. Um, I had to get vulnerable and I, I didn't like it. it made me feel super uncomfortable in the moment, but, uh, Sometimes it's so. Sometimes it is okay, and I felt like I've pushed myself enough today, and I'm I'm going to do that now. I've done that on other rides where I've, you know, a buddy of mine, you know, maybe does some hill climb or something, and maybe I took a spill earlier in the day, and so my confidence level is just a little bit down. And sometimes, Sam, you might have noticed, like your confidence level going into an obstacle is a significant part of the equation of whether you're going to get on it or not. So big. The mental part of this is so big and the confidence level. Yeah. It's, you know, we've all done this, but you're, you're kind of rattled maybe, or you're not, and you go into this obstacle and you can watch someone do this. It's really, if you're watching somebody who's struggling that day or whatever, and they go in and what do they typically do when they're afraid they go in? What? Too slow, too slow. Not enough, not enough momentum. And most of the time, as you know, 
if you're going to err, it's to err on what more momentum side, right? Not less. Typically, there's, there's, yeah, t- not always, not always, but most of the time, or typically. But you'll see him just coming in before they even hit. You're like, he's going so slow, not going to make he's it. He's not going to make. It. And guess what? He doesn't make it. You can just see it. And so because he's he, and when I say he, I'm already when I come in with little too soft, I'm already planning that I'm not going to make it. And I'm just trying to limit the damage because we all know that with speed, you know, there's extra energy. You don't want to put too much extra energy in this because you already think your body's going to have to absorb all this when you fall back down. And so you just go in and you're, you've set yourself up to fail, which is why if you really, if, if things have happened to you and you're beat down mentally that day, that's probably a good time to, to maybe adjust that line and be like, maybe this is a little bit over my line today. But you should, I think, and I think this is kind of the point of the podcast, is let's put a pin in that and let's say, I want to come back here. And, and, and this is something that I need to come back to and actually, you know, actually knock out. And, and that's where the progression is going to come on the next time. For sure. And, and the satisfaction. I mean, that's huge to go back to that and nail it. And it's huge. And this, this mindset of not going into the obstacle, hoping I'm going to make it, you know, I'm Cross my fingers, hope I'm gonna, that's that doesn't work out really. <laughs> Once in a while, but hope, most hope is not a strategy. It's not. It, you know, your confidence needs to be there to where it's like this is pushing it for myself. But you know, we're gonna do it, and if I don't do it, um, I'm okay with with what what am I learning here? You know what I mean? And I'm, you know, just going into it with the confidence that uh, you're ready for it. What about peer pressure? How does this play in? How have you seen this benefit you and how have you seen it be a detriment? What, what do you think about peer pressure in a group? You know, it, it can be an asset. It can be a liability. It can be both. I'm, I'm probably kind of bad at this though because I'm kind of the guy when we get going, I'm always to my friends like, you got to hit that. Come on. You're pushing people. I'm, I'm pushing them. So got to be one in every group. I, I, I'm, I'm the guy. I'm the guy that does that now, um, but I love to watch guys come with me and hit stuff. Um, it gets me so excited. Even you know what I mean. It just pumps me up when people will commit and go and, and not do. I'm not saying be stupid, but I'm talking about get their confidence up and say I'm going to hit this. I'm going for it, and then nail it. It's so cool. But yeah, the pressure uh, thing about you know if if you're out riding with a group of guys and you're just out of your level and they're hitting stuff and the pressure is like, yeah, you can do it. Or I think you need to, at that point, be like, you know, have the awareness and the mental capacity to say, I'm not going to do that. It's not my skill set, and and be okay with that. Um, but conversely, you know, when I left from down here and went and moved to Heber, this is kind of when I got the beta. Um, actually, I met up with some guys that were just better riders than me. That's all there was to it, and those guys made me get better because I wanted to ride with them. And so every ride was a challenge, right? Because every ride you're in the back, every ride you're the one, you know, struggling. And the thing about struggling is you're catching your breath as you catch up. They've already rested. Uh, and, and then, it's you know, it's this almost progressive thing. You're tired because you're trying to, you just don't seem to get ahead. Yeah. But it makes you grow. It just, if if you'll stick with it and have some perseverance, riding with better people no matter what you do, if you're going to go out and what shoot hoops or shoot guns, do something with someone that's better than you. It just a rising tide brings up all boats, right? It's totally, totally. I found that in my writing too. I, I typically, 
I think if I usually if I go riding, I'm one of the weakest ones in the group, and I I've done that by design. I think that's a humble statement. But. I've just no, I no, it's true. Like if we we go riding based on what I've seen, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be one of the weaker ones, you know, in, in that small group. And I I try to keep keep the group smaller, but I do love this idea of going with people that push me. I've always done that, you know. It, it's been various people throughout the years, but I I usually don't go riding. I don't try to go riding a lot with people who, you know, don't push me. Um, and I, and I like to do it within reason. I don't want to get hurt. That's another thing. I, I, I don't want to get hurt. I've only gone to the hospital once because of dirt bikes and I, I tore my ACL and, um, I don't want to make a habit of that. And I've noticed also that a lot of the guys that are quote faster than me or better than me, they have paid for it with more like injuries. Um, and so this is the thing that we want to try to avoid is how do we, how do we push ourselves? How do we grow with, without becoming injured? And, and I want to talk about that, you know, as we get into this, but another, another thing that you mentioned before, just kind of in passing is going back to an obstacle later and, you know, and making and conquering that, um, what are some of your, what, what, what's an example that you've seen where you had an obstacle that scared you and then you came back to it later? What are some of the lessons that you, you've learned from, from that type of an experience? Um, it probably sounds like beating a, a dead horse, but you know, if you're not mentally ready and it's kind of a high consequence obstacle, then I'm not going to just hope to make it over or go up it or whatever because it won't happen probably. Um, but being just mentally ready um, and having thought about it sometimes, then you go back to it and like, I can do this. I know the bike can do it. I know I can do it. I just need to be ready. And so I've, I've mentioned that already. So that's that's huge, though. Um, your your mind in this is so huge. The, the truth of it is, probably for most of your riders out there, all their bikes can do these things. Um, it's just being in the right place and, and building your skill set. Um, the confidence thing, you know, is one of the ways I really wanted to approach this podcast is where's my confidence and what can I do to grow it? Um, and paying the, paying the, you know, what is, what's the price to be paid for high confidence? You just don't get a, go on, hop on your bike and say, I'm a confident rider. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm the best. I mean, I know Muhammad Ali said that, that I'm, I'm not the greatest. I'm the double greatest. And, and so we, but it, it's the, the fact of it is that's kind of how you get hurt is just thinking but you you really need to pay the price to have the confidence. And that really means building the skill sets. And that means usually paying, doing the stuff that's not fun on dirt bikes. I don't know where I heard this. So I don't know if it was here or somewhere else. But I heard this. Someone asked, someone said, if you had to add up all your time, Kyle, that you spent static balancing your bike, how much time would that be? And for most people, it'd be like, um, not seconds. even an hour. Yeah, it's and so that's not fun to go stand on the bike and fall off it a hundred times just trying to balance. It's not fun at all. But that's really what makes the difference. And I know we hear this over and over, but man, is it true? It's like I don't know if you played uh, high school sports or high school sports, but if you go out for football, right? The first thing that happens is you play a game, right? Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, I didn't. I didn't. No, I didn't. I didn't play high school. But no, they don't. They don't, you don't play just throw right. you into the game and they then, fundamentals, right? You start. I mean, all right. How do you block? You you go into these. All right. Hands in the chest, squatting, back straight, driving, head up. 
you don't start with the game. But when we get into dirt bikes, that's kind of how we, well, not all yeah. of us, but a lot of us, a lot almost, of guys I know. Almost everyone. We buy a dirt bike and go down to Moab the night before and start putting <laughs> parts on because I'm going to go ride dirt bikes. But so, you know, paying the price for setting some of these, you know, yeah. just going out and practicing clutch control, you know, a plug for Rich, uh, Rich Larson. Private lessons are amazing. If you don't do private lessons, you know, his videos on skill sets is, is, you know, on the quality and content on YouTube is, is awesome. So, you know, spending time doing those things, they're not fun though. Sitting in your driveway with your neighbors, wondering what you're doing with your bike falling over isn't fun, but that's what builds these things. And then all of a sudden they just pay dividends when you're on the trail or out riding because, totally. you know, you've done it before you can. Yeah. I, I didn't even, I never attempted even, you know, more than, one minute of static balance until I went on a little ride with Graham Jarvis, um, had the opportunity and paid a bunch of money and went riding with Graham Jarvis in Moab. And, and, uh, that was one of the first things he had us do was just like these full lock turns. I'd never done a full, full lock turn is where you turn the bar, you know, you turn your bars all the way against the stops and you try to do a, like a circle, a 300, you know, all the way around a circle, keeping the bars on the stops. And that is all about balance. I'd never done it before. And it was just horrible. A bunch of us looked like idiots in this little dirt, you know, parking lot down there in Moab, right by Cane Creek, if any of you guys know the area. And we all looked like fools, except for one guy who had done trials a little bit. And he looked way better than the rest of us. And Graham made it look like it was, you know, so easy, but it was so hard, hard. to do. And I've spent time now, I don't do it every time, but I try to do at least one full lock turn each direction Every time I get on the bike, sometimes I forget, but that has paid dividends. I can't think of anything else, any one thing that I've done where I can say that has paid better than that one thing. Just like, hey, full lock turn, you know, um, and, and these are the little things that you can do to kind of push yourself. And, and it's funny you say, well, it's not fun. You know, because most of these little drill things, it's not fun, which is why most of us don't do it. It's the reason why I'm not good at like cornering is because I don't go out to the desert and create a turn track and then just practice cornering. And right. now it's starting to nag into me where I'm like, Kyle, you're really just going to have to do this. Like you're going to have to make a concerted effort to go build a turn track in the desert, you know, go to the desert where there is a turn. Somebody's already started a rut and you're just going to have to embarrass yourself for an hour Make, make, maybe make sure nobody's around and then and just go do this hard work because it kind of gets into you. You start to notice where your deficiencies are and you're like, dude, I'm going to have to go do this thing. I'm going to have to push myself in that, in that little area. Before we, there was something that popped into my head that I wanted to kind of talk about is just leaving an obstacle on a high note. We've talked about, you know, there are certain times where you might see a log, see a drop, see an obstacle, see a jump. And you're just like, I'm not going to do that. And that's fine. But if it's something that's within your wheelhouse, I think it's important to try to leave the obstacle, leave the area on a high note. And and Sam mentioned to me this, uh, you know, pretty gnarly, you know, little section, this little obstacle that he's doing on one of the videos we watched beforehand, where he goes up this rock face and he falls off on the right side. The bike tumbles down, hits you in the back, hits you in the head. And you just see, like, I can just see you, your body language, your head remains down after the bike has then moved over you, flipped over you. Um, but then what happened? You, you didn't just leave it there. Like, what, what happened? Did you leave on a high note? 
Um, that's so yeah, the, the short of it is that thing pummeled me hard and I hurt. I mean, I got up and my wrist was just messed. My fingers. Cause you probably fell six, eight feet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was a ways. And then bounced all the way down the rocks. And of course, Moab, you know, the rocks are soft. Yeah. <laughs> They're also slick too. That's why they call them slick rocks. <laughs> and it hurt, you know, and, but I, I've done this obstacle before. Um, it's one of these obstacles that I love to go do because it kind of is tracks progression on how I've, you know, over the years hit it and which ways I go up and can I do it without dabbing, whatever. And I hit this obstacle, one of these exceptions with too much speed. So it's one that has to be just perfect. Anyway, I come off, it hits me and I'm hurting. And I knew, I mean, I mean, I was really hurting, but I was not going to leave it there. I was not going to go home and ride in the truck back home and think about how I didn't do it. So I gave myself a few minutes. Um, I worked it out and I was hurting, but it goes back to this thing of, I think there's a lot more innocent can come out than we give ourselves credit for. I mean, the David Goggins thing, right? So mm. here we go. With can't, that. T- can't hurt me. David Goggins. So I, you know, I'm not, I'm hurting, but I'm, I'm still functional, right? Yes. It hurts to stand. It hurts to grip. It hurts everything, but uh, let's do it again. And so I went and did it three or four more times just to tell myself, uh, you know, I can do this obstacle and I'm not leaving it that way. I'm just not. And so my friends kind of joke about this a lot with me that I, I do little Google tracks so I can go back and look at my rides. But if you look at, there's all these squiggly lines, and <laughs> obstacles, because it wasn't just once. Cause and, you spent 45 minutes. Yeah. There. I mean, over and, and if I did clear it, I want to go clear it again to make sure it wasn't just a fluke. <laughs> well, and this makes you different. Like I can already tell that you're wired a little bit differently than a lot of people because of the, because you're willing to do that. But I think that's a really important thing to leave an obstacle on a high note, if you get knocked down, that's the thing I usually do. If I, even if it's just like a little practice thing I'm practicing on, like, let's say it's a rock. I'm just trying to get on and off this rock. Um, I will not, um, leave until I'm satisfied with how I did that one rock, especially if it's just a training ride or something. If it's going to be a long day where I know I've got a six hour day, I might not make everything perfect. So I'm like, look, I've got I've got five more hours ahead sure, of me. Yeah. Um, but if but if I know there's no pressure in the fact that like we have to do this thing, we have to get this much done, it's really nice to be able to just, hey, if you messed up an obstacle, if you have the energy, if you have the time, which again, that's a mental thing, then it I think it pays to go back and do this again. And your example, which I saw on your video, Moab Elevated, that's more of an extreme example because you you got you got, like you said, pummeled. And most people, most normal people. And probably me, I would have just been like, oh, that, that's it. But, but I think one of the key things is this was an obstacle you had done several times before. And you knew that you had the abilities. You knew you had the skills. You even had the confidence because you've done it before. And now, you know, as so often happens in dirt bikes, you know, reality stepped in or Murphy's Law stepped in or whatever. And you got beat down. You got humbled. And, but you didn't want to just let it sit there. And I think that is the difference between progression and not progression because it would be easy for yourself to digress. There are times that, you know, I've gone back to an obstacle and I, you know, that I've conquered before and then it gets me and I get kind of hurt on it. I tweak something and, and it just, it kind of can mess your confidence up unless you take that minute, like you said, to gather yourself, take a deep breath, eat a, you know, snack take some water and then go do it again. Because what I want to do is I want to wash that. I want to get that bad taste out of my mouth. 
that bad taste of like defeat. I want that out of my mouth if possible. And I think that's, uh, I think that's a key thing. And that, that's probably one of the reasons why you've made as much progression as you have. I look at, I just look at, you know, a couple of the videos that you sent me and I'm going, here's a person who's taken this seriously. And in 10 years of dirt biking, you really only had five of it where you were really, you know, kind of serious on the right equipment. And suddenly you've made all these progressions and it's because of this continual, I'm going to make these incremental growth, these incremental steps each time. So that that's, it's really, it's really rewarding to see for me to see someone else and be like, Hey, look, I, I can do this too. Look at the, look at the progression that you've made. And I can do that too. If I just have the right mindset each time out. So what about, what about mental challenges? So if you're facing an obstacle, how do you, how do you work through the mental challenges and the fear? And, and sometimes it is, is the fear something that can totally debilitate you? How do you work on this, this fear thing? You know, is, is it something that has protected you? Can you think of times where fear has like maybe kept you alive or fear has, you know, maybe kept you from progressing? Cause it's a real thing. Fear is something like anytime you're going to push yourself, there's going to be a little bit of fear of maybe injury or consequences or whatever. Well, how do you see fear shaping your writing and shaping, shaping the rest of this? Well, Those I think fear is a, yeah, a great, it's a useful thing. It's natural. We should have fear, right? Um, it's an survival instinct. And it can also be a real liability to us where it just cripples us. And not just dirt bike riding. We can be afraid to go out. We can be afraid to live our lives. And, you know, um, so fear, fear's the one that we have to deal with. How do we deal with it? Um, so one obstacle that comes to mind is the elevator. And I'd never been to the elevator, and we were riding around with some it's a It's a trail. It's an area in southern Utah for you guys that I think don't technically know Arizona is. even, right? Yeah, it's that far. totally. Actually, it is across in the Arizona border. Yeah. So there's this, this thing I'd heard about, the elevator. Um, and we didn't even know where it was, me and Jeff. And we were riding with some guys, and they're in the wash. And I was like, not enjoying riding in the wash because sandy it's not the sand but i mean there's just no challenge to it really oh. burning down a wash eating dust oh yeah yeah okay i got you i got you <laughs> so uh we asked these guys are the washes are the sorry the elevator and these are local guys from st george and they said well it's over here but why do you want to go you just you know it's just a steep thing you go off it's yeah well i like to look at it maybe go up it um you don't go up it. You can't go up. They're it. like, it's a down trail. You don't go up that. And all of a sudden for me, that was like, well, that's probably true. But I, I think that sounds like fun to maybe see this and try it. I know it's steep. Yes. So we go uh, to the elevator and everything's different in a video, right? When you see it in person, all of a sudden you're just like, eh, yeah, that's pretty steep. That's when the pee starts to trickle out yeah. when you see it in person. So it's one thing to watch it online. You get there in reality and you're like, what is happening to my bladder right now? It's involuntary. Why does this look different than the video? <laughs> um, they must've done something in Photoshop. Yeah. They definitely Photoshop all the time. And so we go to the bottom of this thing and I'd never been up it or down it ever. We're just at the bottom and we're going to go up it. Now, if you're going to go up it, there's already some pretty good step ups to get just to it. So I remember the first step up, I didn't make it, and I smashed my finger wide open. I can see through the glove. It's bleeding. The glove's torn. And not feeling very good about how this is going so far. But we go up, and this is kind of just maybe goes back to with your writing. 
group that you're with and those you ride with, my friend Jeff's like, well, let's go, you know, let's do this. So we didn't know if it was possible or not. Um, I didn't know. Anyway, it was just a challenge. And so I'm going back to this thing where this is a challenge. Can we do it? I don't know, but let's try. And so we did and uh, happened to make it up the elevator. It's a ton of fun, but I was afraid because, you know, if it doesn't work out, as you know, Kyle, there's some things that might not be good. Bike could fall off. Yeah, consequences. I've never tried it. I've never tried going up. I've gone down it a couple handful of times. But but I looked at it as saying, you know, the bike falls off. Parts are replaceable. Plastic's replaceable. Um, it, I, I just think it was looking at, I just think it's uh, manageable. If I fall off, I, I should be able to slide here. I just think it was manageable, and it really wasn't that big of a deal. So just overcoming this worst-case scenario thing and being a little bit more um, statistical. I'm an engineer, so I'm like, what's the probability of it really, you know, most likely just fall off, right? Slide down the hill. Anyway, so I think it's just dealing with, um, I, I like to look at the risk and what is what, it, what am I afraid of? Is it afraid of scratching the bike up? I'm okay with that now. I can, that was actually on a brand new bike. That was my 2019 TPI. That was the first ride on it. And so a lot of guys are like, I'm not going to do that on my new bike. Uh, poppycock. It's parts are replaceable. Let's go. Yeah. The, one of the best things I think you can do is go out there and, and scratch the bike up yeah. immediately. Like dump it over in the driveway, give it some scratches because, and I get it. I understand why people don't want to do it. Cause they just spent, you know, nine, 10, maybe $11,000 out the door on this bike. And they're just, they don't want to scratch it, but you can't start riding the thing until you're not worried about scratching. It. Right. You, you won't be able to use this machine until you've gotten over the fact that you're going to break things. Right. And, you know, and parts are replaceable um, and cheap. Like a lot of the parts are cheap, like pl- fenders, you know, radiator shrouds, these types of things. You can buy an entire plastic kit for a hundred bucks, you know? So, yeah, let's get over that part. So, yeah, get over the fear of, of what is it you're afraid of? Is it hurting your bike? Is it getting hurt? Nobody wants to get hurt. Um, but, you know, almost riding around saying, I don't want to get hurt white knuckled. You're way more apt to get hurt doing that. Do you think that's a thing like that if you are trying not to get hurt and you're being too timid or too cautious that that actually can cause injuries what, what's your feeling on that for sure i think it's a thing i think it's real i think um being overly cautious can cause you to hit stuff in dirt biking like i say without enough speed or momentum i think you can just be too tense i i look at times when you're riding just high with confidence and feeling good you hit stuff that you nor and you just deal with it you just go over it you just do so much better when your mind is um where it needs to be relaxed you're feeling good um, and so it's definitely a thing. Uh, if you're afraid of getting hurt, I think that's a better chance of getting hurt. So when I, you know, when we do some of this, I don't want to get hurt, but that's not what I'm thinking about. I'm not going into this thinking I'm going to get hurt or I'm afraid I'm going to hurt myself, um, or hurt the bike. It's, I don't, yeah, I, I think that's the wrong, it's back to the arrow in the tree, right? Yeah. What, what am I trying to avoid here? We were we were talking about I I think that was before we hit record, but but we were talking about if you're if you're an archer, I used to shoot archery. I I, I retired, but I'll I'll pick it back up. In fact, I've got if you look up there, Sam, I've got a a Robin Hood up there with an arrow. That was the last time I shot my bow. I just like I ended on a high note, so I I put one arrow right down the shaft of the That's other one. Dead. 
and center down the shaft. And so, yeah, just, so it's, it's my trophy up there here in my, in my office, but I, something would happen all the time when we would go shoot archery as I, as I was a kid and in my early, in my teens and or twenties, we'd go to these archery ranges and stuff. And sometimes you're shooting through trees and you might have a, you might have a shot that's 40, 60, you know, 60 yards or something. And that's a long shot with a bow, right? I mean, I know there's people that can do more, but you shoot a 45, you know, yard target where you've got trees and branches and everything. And I would go with some guys that were, they would, all they'd see is the trees and they would hit the trees with their, with their bows, with their arrows. And I very rarely hit the trees because I was just focusing on the object. In fact, I would roll in at a different house. I would roll the windows of my car down and I would line up so that the target was, I could see the target through the, through the car roll the front window or roll the pass the driver's side and the, the passenger side, I'd roll those down. I'd jump, I'd go back to 30 yards. I didn't do it much further than that. Cause the arc of the arrow, but I'd go back, you know, 20 or 30 yards. I think I even once did it at 40 yards and I shot right through the car. Mm-hmm. I would do that all the time because the point, the point of that exercise is focus on the target, not the things in front of it. And it's amazing what you can do. And going back to this whole getting hurt thing, I feel like some of the time, if you're constantly thinking about, Hey, I don't want to get hurt. It, you, it's almost like you're, you're inviting it to come into your life. Another, another, and I know I might be reaching here, but I think this comes into it. Like I have people that are constantly worried about having stuff getting stolen out of their truck there's or the they're or, always get broken into. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, I can't believe, you know, I can't believe you leave your, you know, your truck there or whatever. It's going to get stolen. And you know, I, same thing happened. Like I went down to California just this last couple, week and a half ago to help my mom move back, move out of California. And I get down there and I've got my truck and my trailer and my sister, at, we're going to go to this hotel. I've like, you know, you know, said hi to the family and everything. And I'm going to go to this hotel to stay the night. And my sister asks me if I've got a club, like, like the club for my steering, steering wheel. wheel, the steering wheel club. She's like, do you have a club? Do you want to use my club? And I'm like, um, they still no. have those, huh? Uh, apparently they do because she offered, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, I think it'll be fine. She's, she's like, well, you never know. And I'm like, yeah, you do never know, but I'm going to go to a hotel and there's going to be a security camera and there's going to be, it's going to be well lit. And if somebody wants my truck that bad, like they can have it. And I feel like some of my mindset on that makes it so I don't get things stolen on my truck. I know guys that sit there with their trucks unlocked. And they with never the windows down into, yeah. and they never get broken into and they leave, you know, whatever on the, on the seat. And I feel, and they're just the ones that are like, I'm not worried about it. And they seem to be the ones that are not getting things stolen. And the more you think you're going to get something stolen, same thing with this getting hurt thing. It feels like the more you're worried about twisting your ankle or breaking your wrist or hitting your head, it just, and of course we don't have any data on this, but it just feels like those are the people who are getting hurt. Well, I think it's, I think it's what you focus on tends to grow. So hundred percent what you're focused that that's the perfect. Thank you. What you're focusing on. That's what you manifest, right? Yeah. So if you're focused on uh, falling off your bike and getting hurt, you're probably going to fall off your bike and get hurt. <laughs> so just don't think about it, people. Oh, that's so that's so it, it's one of the ways that people ask me this a lot. I tore my ACL back in May of 2008 and I was off the bike for a full six months and I got back on the bike and you know, a lot of people, right? Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. 2018. It was, I said 2008, didn't I? It uh-huh. was 28. It's a good thing you're here to correct me. It was 2018 that I got hurt 
and I was off the, I had, you know, ACL reconstruction and everything. And I got back on the bike, you know, and I had, I wasn't physically ready. I mean, I, I was physically ready, but I, like, there was a lot of things that you just can't simulate. So I was doing a lot of rowing and, and cycling and I have a ski erg and everything. And so I was in really good cardiovascular shape, maybe the best of my entire life. Cause I'm like, I'm going to be ready to go back on the bike. And I wasn't fully ready for the, with the dirt bike muscles. But one thing was I wasn't thinking about my knee and it was because of all, it was all the sweat that I had put out over the last six months was all with the, with the idea that once I get back on the bike, I'm not going to be thinking about my knee. And I, I have to admit that when I see an obstacle that resembles the one that I tore it on, which was zero miles an hour on a trial bike, falling trials, bike falling off this rock, it still enters my mind a little bit, but for the most part, when I'm riding, I, I would say 99.8% of the time that I'm on the bike, I know I'm not thinking about injuring my knee. It's just, okay, now I'm in this space and I'm going to go and I'm going to trust the process. I'm going to trust my knee. I'm going to trust the rehab that I've done. And now I'm just going to attack what's in front of me. And I try not to think about getting hurt again because I, I don't want to attract that into my life. So what do you know about, so have you been part of groups where, um, Let's let's talk about this. You might have been. I'm I'm a little bit antisocial. I know people don't believe that, <laughs> believe that, but I I I just don't do a lot of different groups. Have you been in groups where you know maybe everyone was kind of getting into the same type of a ride, or maybe there maybe they you're in a group where they're just kind of pushing through and don't want to stop anywhere and work on things, or maybe you're in a group where you know they're maybe a little bit stagnant in their growth. Um, what are some of these different groups that you've been with and what are the ones that you, you like and, and you've gravitated the most to in your riding? So first, I think if you're out riding a dirt bike, that's a win. So whatever gets you out is great. And most of us kind of by default just have friends from maybe proximity of our neighborhoods or whatever. So we go riding with guys that are just whatever, right? So I, I see that changing though a bit now with, with Facebook and groups and uh, just online where you can reach out and kind of hook up with people. And so that's a great way to kind of start to find like-minded people. But I have been one of my pet peeves, and this is just because of my writing style. I love to be able to stop and look at something and play on it or mess around. Um, I hate feeling like we have to go as fast as, and I'm not talking about just going fast to go fast. I'm just saying burn through a trail. Uh, like we're trying to get to the end. Like there's a podium at the end, but every ride I've done like that. There's not a podium at the end. There's not a podium and, and just taking the easiest line to get to the very end, um, is if, if that's works for you, great. So I'm not trying to say this is better, but if you're trying to improve, here's the opportunity you're in this school of you're out riding. This is the chance to look at these obstacles, to play on them, to hit them again and again, to, to, you know, to mess around. So if the group you're in, I've been in those groups and I don't, I don't care if those, so if, if there's a group that just wants to go as fast as they can and I want to work on being faster, great. That's what I want to be in. Um, if I want to, you know, be practicing log hops or drops or something, I want to go with some guys that are okay with stopping and let's, let's mess around. So, um, I shouldn't say mess around. Let's, you know, let's, let's look at it. Let's try it. Let's, let's work it. on these let's skills. Work on it. Yeah. So, um, I was fortunate, as I mentioned that I hooked up with some writers in, in Hebrew that were just better than me. And so I started to have to get better if I was going to ride with them. Um, and I think if you're looking to get better, that's a, a good way to go about is finding guys that are better and ride with them. You just naturally, 
are going to do better if they say if your wealth's going to be within the top what 10 people your top closest friends i've you've ever heard something like that you know you just tend to kind of water seeks its own level so um you know i can't imagine if we went and rode with manny ledenbickler all the time that you wouldn't get better (laughs) it'd be it'd be impossible if you would have you right so anyway point if your dad had been andreas and then you're Manny, you're, you're, you're going to be good because your dad's amazing, right? No, that's so. a, the point is, though, why is Manny who he is? His dad, most <laughs> likely. Exactly. So what's the environment? If you want to be a better technical rider, get with guys who are better technical riders, right? If you want to be a better desert racer, probably shouldn't hang out with, uh, you know, guys that are technical Me. riders. <laughs> no, <laughs> no uh, so there's so many, so many, what's awesome about riding is there's so many, aspects of it right so if you want to be faster go with faster guys um have them coach you teach you ask what are you doing why does your adventure bike go up the hill and mine doesn't you know yeah it's called feathering the clutch and what so you know I, something that as you talked as you were talking there it really made me think you know there are different groups we there's a saying different strokes for different folks and there's different groups for every kind of like little discipline and every niche of our because we're in this off-road world of riding, you know, there's dirt bikes. And if you say dirt bikes, generally, um, you'd, you'd incorporate motocross bikes and, you know, the supercross bikes and then the off-road bikes and then the trail bikes. There's a few, there's ways that we can segment this down. I'm mostly, I'm mostly focusing on enduro type stuff, off-road type stuff, but there's all these other segments. There's the, there's the adventure side where you're using a different bike and maybe you're bringing camping stuff. And then there's the other side, which is this motocross, um, there's so many different segments of this. And so you can, you can really pick your poison with this. And then even inside of what I would say my genre, which is this off-road thing, there's the guys that are want to be faster in the desert. I'd still classify that as off-road. There's the guys that want to be, you know, more adept at the slow, gnarly technical stuff. And that's, you know, kind of part of this. And you can find different groups that are doing different things. And for me, I want to be well-rounded ish, you know, and I'm, I'm even more interested now in doing some moto some motocross stuff just to kind of become a little bit more well, well rounded rider. Cause I like the variety of it. I, my perfect ride is going to have some fast and flowing stuff. It's going to have some technical stuff. It's going to have some little obstacle. Well, little is relative, but it's going to have an obstacle or two where most people would, it would give them pause. You know, most people, that's what I want. My perfect ride is going to have all of those things in one a perfect example of a person that I would like to emulate, which is, you know, this is never going to happen, but like Ryan Sipes, he's a person who can ride and race all these different disciplines. One of the more talented people who is on a dirt bike, but a lot of people don't know who he is because he doesn't focus on one thing. He's not like Ricky Carmichael. He's not, you know, Eli Tomac. He's not Graham Jarvis. You know, he's not Manny Luttenbickler, but he can do all of these different disciplines at a certain proficiency level, which makes him kind of a unicorn. You know, and if I was going to be one guy, I don't want to really be man. I mean, Johnny Walker is another good example of it. Here's a person who can do moto and he can do this off-road stuff. He's, he's, you know, pretty well-rounded. I don't want to be Eli Tomac and just be able to rip a motocross track. And I also don't, I mean, I shouldn't say I don't want to be Graham Jarvis because I would love to be, but the point is I, I'd rather be a little bit more well-rounded. And so you brought up this idea of like, maybe this group only does this one thing. Maybe you have three different groups that you hang with from, from time to time. And you go get out of your comfort zone in the desert, pushing a little bit faster. You know, you, you watch these guys hit the whoops and you see how fast it is. And you're like, oh man, 
I, I guess I got to carry a little bit more speed into it. And maybe, you know, a couple weeks later, you're riding with guys that are doing some nasty stuff at five miles of hell. Is that okay? Do you think that's a, a good way to go? Or do you think you should just focus on one group? What's your thought? No, I think if you can, um, absolutely get with more groups. I think it's possible with, with some of the online stuff to meet up with people. Um, it's hard though. I mean, no doubt because of the dynamics of people also just, you know, sometimes people say I, I'm a, this kind of writer and they show up and, and maybe they're not that kind of a writer. So you, you know, it takes feeling out, but you know, I think the underlying point is persistence. If you just get out and ride and try to meet people and just get out, it's going to happen. It's just going to happen. But you know, looking to push yourself makes such a difference. And that sometimes means switching up your writing group um, or switching up trails maybe that your writing group does. You know, maybe you guys do the same trail over and over. Well, maybe we should do this trail uh, that we haven't done. Or There's a lot of ways, I think, to go about that. But um, if the group's stagnant, you may need to, you know, find another group to join once in a while or whatever. I think it's doable, though. I just definitely think, though, that being around people that are good at what you want to do, whatever it is, business, you know, writing, whatever, is the way to have that influence work, you know, to get better. It's just going to happen. And then and then be open to, to uh, you know, if you jump up a group, you might not be the fastest guy anymore. You might be the guy that everybody's waiting on and, you know, be open to 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 that. So that's kind of a, you got my mind turning a little bit. Talk to me about failing and failing in front of other people. How has this played in? Have you seen situations where you had to be willing to fail in front of someone else in order to grow? And have you seen situations where maybe people weren't willing to even put themselves out there? And so they've remained maybe a little bit more stagnant in their writing. Yeah, for sure. Um, Nobody likes to to fall in front of everybody or whatever, but you know, getting back to this mental thing where you're okay, you know, not succeeding in front of somebody is is part of it, um, you know, and maybe everybody else is doing well and you're not. Maybe, but I think that's what it takes is just a little bit of this willingness to spend the time on the bike to fail to get better. And I mean, all these guys who are good riders. You know, they've all been there, right? Everybody's been there that's, you know, that struggled. Uh, they've struggled and, and gotten better. It's just part of it. So I've I've seen the, the reverse side, though, where people I get to go ride with, and they won't try anything almost, you know what I mean? And and that is sad. We're all at different levels. I'm not, but it's sad just to see, look, they want to get better, but they don't want to, they just don't want to try. And you have to be willing to put yourself out there and try. I think you just have to. Uh, at different levels, yes. At different comfort, I mean, those are all for everybody to figure out. We've 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 beat that down, but get out and try. Yeah, I remember there was a time. In fact, it was on that Graham Jarvis ride that we went on. Graham showed us a number of different things, and and there was he would show us some things that weren't even you know the consequences weren't high, and people had paid hundreds of dollars. You know, I mean, I think we paid like eight hundred dollars to go ride with Graham Jarvis and. He would, we would be on this ride and he would, it was over a two day period and he would be, Hey, look, here's this little thing I want to show you. And, uh, he's a man of very few words. <laughs> so really the only thing you were going to get out of it is watch him do something and then try yourself because he, 
all I'll say is he's he's very good at showing you, but it's not as good at articulating the process. So the only way you're going to get anything out of this is to watch him do it and then attempt it a few times. Right. Attempt it, attempt it, attempt it. We had like 25 guys in this group, and there was really only about five, six of us that were trying this stuff. Most of the people were just sitting around, you know, doing nothing. And and I've thought about that a hundred times. And do you think that's because they're afraid to maybe have others watch them fall? Or is that because, you know, what is it? Is it they're afraid I, of the obstacle or is it just the having people like, oh, you? I think it was a little bit of both. I think my my biggest my biggest thought is that they were afraid of failing in front of other people. They were afraid of looking bad, looking dumb, you know? That's what I think it was a lot. There was one specific rock that he wasn't even like telling us to go do. He was just, he just like, we kind of stopped to regroup this big group, you know, and he stopped right this by this log that was or rock that was like five feet tall and only maybe three and a half feet, you know, long on the top. And then you drop off the other side. And so it was like worst case scenario for a rock. It's too high to get on. And it's not like you could get onto it and then roll on and then drop off the other side. You had to get on, keep the front wheel high and then drop off the other side, like ultimate nasty in my mind. And he did it a few times and he's like, yeah, just compress the suspension and give it a little blip and blah. And, you know, and he did. And, and then one of the other guys, his name is Braden. If you're listening to this podcast and I've never actually even ridden with Braden before or since, but he did it and he was on a 450, and he, he crashed on the other side, you know, but he tried it and that opened up the, that opened up the, cause uh, before that, what it was is it was like, oh, here's Graham, Graham's just showing us something. And then this dude who manned up, he had bigger balls than the rest of us in that moment. He just, he did it. He tried it. And so then a couple other guys tried it and I had all this pressure. I felt like all this pressure. Cause I'm like, I, you know, I'm, I, I want to do this, but I don't want to look bad in front of people. But I'm like, I have to, like, I'm going to do it now. And so I hit that thing like five times in a row. I was the only person that hit it that many times. Um, cause mostly what would happen is somebody would hit it, not make it, you know, and then fall off the backside and then they'd be done, but I hadn't yet fallen off the backside. So I kept just trying to do it. And, uh, and I, I feel good about that. Like I was just okay to fail in front of people. I failed over and over and over, but at a certain level, I'd rather be the guy in some situations that fails at something than the guy who doesn't even try because, there's, there's never going to be any progression in that. And the only thing that got hurt that day on that obstacle was my pride. But at the same time I gained, like I felt better about myself just because of the fact that I did try. And I wasn't just standing on the sidelines. I didn't even break a freaking lever. You know, the bike flipped off the rock multiple times and it's all, it's all good. It's, it's okay. You know? And then, then an hour later I did an SOS call on my, on my Garmin inReach because some guy punctured his lung. Because he finally decided, I'm going to try something, mm. and it was, it was a bridge too far. Like, like Graham was doing this thing where he was going up this one ledge, and then, he, and then he turns around at the top, and he just like wheelies down it and kind of drops off of it. And I watched Graham do it, and I'm like, dude, that was sick. And then next thing you know, I went over to pick my pack up, and some dude just like tomahawked it off, and just, you know, and he ended up, he had a punctured lung. He was like barely breathing and all this stuff. And I did this SOS call on my Garmin inReach. And luckily we were kind of right by the highway. Um, and 
after a half, you know, they were there within 20 minutes and we got him up and we put him in this sheriff truck and they took him to the hospital and he had a broken clavicle and a broken wrist and a punctured lung and all these things. And the funny part was, is this is a guy who, to my knowledge, I don't think he was really trying any of the other stuff. Like he wasn't trying all these baby steps. And then suddenly, I don't know even what he was thinking, but he tried to do this thing that, that Graham just did. And it was too far. And, and he got hurt. Here's the problem with that is taking that too big, you know, now he won't ever try that again. Ever. He may not ever ride. Yeah. I, I, he might, that might be a thing where this dude might never ride a dirt bike again. Exactly. So this, this idea of incremental um, improvement and pushing the, your boundaries, not to where it's this, um, this huge bridge or this huge thing that you're doing, but just a little bit each time. But, you know, a little bit each time goes a long ways when it's every ride. I'm doing something that I I'm comfortable. It's a little bit harder, but not, miles and miles out of my reach kind of thing, you know, because now he's going to have a, a fear of getting really hurt. And yeah, S- similar deal happened. We had a helicopter extraction up in Idaho a few years back. It wasn't in our group, but we met these guys that, you know, somebody tore up his knee. Um, it wasn't even on a super technical trail, but it just obviously something happened. Like probably one thing led to another, and he posts his foot down. He didn't have all the right equipment. I think he was kind of, he'd gone with his brothers and, and I think he was kind of like the weaker side. He hadn't had as much experience, experience is what I want to say. I don't want to put, you know, everyone, I think he just, he didn't have motocross like dirt bike style boots on. I think he was just a little bit out of his comfort zone and something bad happened and he tore his ACL. And, uh, I shouldn't say he tore his ACL cause I don't know. He, he had just ripped up his knee. I think he had a broken bone in his, you know, down on his lower leg and everything. He was in a lot of pain. We ended up, you know, carrying him out on a stretcher and getting him down to this, you know, life light style helicopter and everything. And I've actually talked to both of his brothers since then. They have both reached out to me. One of them just is a policeman up in Idaho and he just came, knocked on my door once in like twin falls or something, knocked on my window, <laughs> scared me because I'm putting gas in the truck and, and this policeman comes over and knocks on my window. And, you know, I roll the window down. I'm like, can I help you? And he's like, you're Kyle, right? I'm like, yeah. And now I'm even more nervous, you know? And he's like, Oh, I just wanted to thank you. You helped my brother. Um, that, that one day with that, that, uh, injury. And they have both told me, but two of the brothers that I've spoken to after the fact, they've both told me that it's the last time he got on a dirt bike uh, and it pains me. It really, it makes me feel sad every time I think about that because I mean, that was the end of like a four day trip that I'd had in Idaho. And it was if one of the best times of my whole life, you know, and I've gotten so much enjoyment out of dirt bikes. It almost, I get emotional when I think about all the experiences that I've had. And then it can all just kind of be snuffed out. If you have the wrong mindset and you're not prepared enough and, and you get, you know, it's, you get a little bit too far out of your comfort zone and something like that could happen. So, so Sam, the stakes are real here. I mean, we've, it's easy for us to sit here for the last hour and 20 minutes and just talk about like, Hey, get out of your comfort zone, get out of your comfort zone. But then like, if, if you, if, if something happens too far, it could really, you know, kind of end, end your passion for it. But I think the main thing that I would like to drive home is just that if you are doing these incremental steps that we've talked about and you're working on your mindset and you're working on making sure your bike is properly set up and you're working, you make sure that you have the proper gear. You have a good helmet. You have, maybe you've got a chest protector. You're using really nice boots. You spent 
I don't want to put a number down, but you spent as, let's just put it this way. You spent as much on your boots as you did on your helmet. You've got good equipment. And, and then you, you get some of these ducks in a row. And I think that you set yourself up for so much more success. And, and that's where you can really make a lot of progress in this sport and be patient with yourself. This is a prod. This is a process. Like Sam said, there isn't a podium at the end. Um, I, I thought of one story I wanted to tell. I want to give you the last word. So if you can think of a story that really just something that kind of illustrates the progression that you've had. This happened to me last summer. We were riding in Idaho, actually up in kind of your, maybe your neck of the woods, not Idaho, Wyoming. We were riding in Wyoming. Isn't Wyoming the best? I've only ridden there once. And I was like, dude, these, these guys know these are real people. Like we, anyway, I, we were, we were riding this trail. Some of you will know. I take that back. Wyoming's horrible. Wyoming sucks. We weren't, we weren't in Wyoming. We were in Ohio. In fact, we were in Kansas. You know what? Ohio is so good. <laughs> and and Utah sucks for riding, and, and Idaho was horrible. Like, I would never go there again. I wouldn't either. So this was a can. We were in Kansas, right? <laughs> and uh, Dorothy was there, and the Wicked Witch of the West. But we were riding this trail. It was called the Way Trail. I've only been on part of it. Um, I've only been on the south side of it because we just we had a couple days, and mm-hmm. yep. we were just going down. Anyway, really cool trail. A lot of, lot of cool stuff. I can't wait to go back and do it, you know, do both sides of it. But we're going along and man, they hadn't like, there were a lot of logs that weren't cut out and there were sections that were super fun. And then there were, then there were sections that were like, holy crap, stay on the gas. Like, cause you're not going to make it if you don't. And you're in the trees and it's not like you can just pin it and go up this, you know, hill climb. And we're going along and I, and we had three guys. I'm following Tyler. I had Garrett behind me and, uh, I'm, I, I'm starting to feel it even now just talking about it. So picture this in your mind. You're in the, you're in the deep pines and you know, you've been going through little creeks and stuff and there's wildlife everywhere and it gets, you know, some of these hill climbs, some of these canyons that you get in are a little bit deeper, darker, big, you know, trees and there's deadfall. There's deadfall all over the place and we've been ducking under trees and suddenly I'm going kind of up this hill, kind of like side hilling. So you're off camber and I'm behind Tyler and it was you know, the conditions were good enough that I was close enough where I could kind of see him, but I can't focus on him because there's so much happening in front of me. And then in the peripheral vision, just beyond where I'm focusing, I see his helmet, like shoot up straight up in the air and, and then come back down. And I just think, huh, I wonder what that's about. (laughs) And this, and then I, you know, come around this, this area corner and there's this log that is, the top of it has got to be pushing four feet off the ground, but it's not that big of a log. It's actually just suspended. It's probably, I don't know, 15, 18 inches in diameter, but it's, it's suspended off the trail. It's covering the trail, but it's not at a 90 degree angle. So everything is wrong. Mm. Everything is wrong. This and as soon like the the very first thing that my brain computes when I see it and I'm clipping along and I'm trying to keep my RP I'm trying to keep my RPMs up, I'm trying to keep my, my my momentum up and the very first calculation that happens in my brain is chop the throttle, let off the gas because we got to find a different way around it. You know, that's what that's the very first calculation algorithm that goes off in my brain. The second thing that goes off in my, my brain is where's Tyler? <laughs> 
third thing that goes off in my brain, it makes the connection. Oh, when I saw his helmet pop up, he's over. He went over the freaking thing. And this is happening and you're making these calculations in real time and I'm looking at it and I'm going, can I do this? And the first thing I thought is, yes, if, it w- if I was straight onto it, I could probably do it. But I've got the hill against me because I'm off camber. It's, I'm not going to be able to hit it. I'm going to hit it on an off angle. It's way high. It's suspended. If I don't make it over this thing, this is going to really suck. And then I also make this other calculation that says, in just an instant, it says, well, if I get hung up on this, how am I going to get over this? I don't want to come back and hit this. Like, how am I going to do it? I'm going to spend like so much energy, like dragging my bike over this. And how am I even going to do that? It's on such a steep hill. How am I going to do it? All these things are going through my mind. And this is, this happens in a split second. And then this other thought popped in, which is like, if he can do it, I can do it. So let's go. And so I just get, you know, I'm, I, you, you know, I don't stop. I don't slow down. I, I compress the suspension. I pull the front wheel up and I'm just aiming to hit like front wheel right into the center of that log. Just hope I can hit it. Soon as it hits it in my mind, I'm like chop the throttle because I don't want to like slide, you know, get, I know I'm going to get kicked like crazy. I'm going to go perpendicular. I'm going to go like on a, it's going to knock me off at 90 degrees from where this thing is because the bike is going to want to straighten out. And so I come up, hit the thing, chop the throttle. And of course my back tire comes up, hits it. It knocks me like almost sideways, but I shoot straight up in the air, drop down on the trail, boom, clutch it and go up the hill. And I'm telling you that was the best thing that happened to me in 2020. Mm. I mean, it just, it made more of an impact on how I felt as a person, how I felt as a writer. Uh, Obviously, you know, I love my family. I love my wife. I'm just saying like the things that I did that I accomplished that one instant made more, it, it meant more to me than all the other writing. You know, it just, I felt like I had so many reasons to say no, but because of these baby steps that we talked about, that just kind of happened. It was an inst. It was a split second decision to just go, just go and see if you can do it. Don't think too much about the consequences. You've done this so many times before. Yes, this one is out of my comfort zone. Everything was screaming in my body to say no, but because I'd watched a guy go over it, I dug deep and I, I, I popped over it. Graham Jarvis, it wouldn't have been a big deal to him. Maybe it wouldn't have been a big deal to you, but it was a big deal to me and I made it over and I love that. Can you think about times in your writing where maybe something like that happened where you just, hey, I did it, and you think back on that with such fondness? Like, what did, can you think of something like that? Yeah, I can think of several. Um, and and the exact, I think you expressed that so well, though, just how it can just light you up inside, and it can give you such motivation and fuel and motivation. I mean, so... I, I live for those too. I mean, I love that stuff. Um, and I think that your decision to go for it, uh, I mean, we've prefaced this over and over. Your decision is, I've been working on this. This is close. I can do this. And you did it. And how rewarding that is. So I, I get that. And I I think that's, uh, I just echo that. I can, two summers ago, we went and did a ride. Uh, and we ended up over at Mutual Dell in, in AF. And I didn't realize where we were at until I realized that 
a couple of years earlier when I was on the 450, I had gone down this trail with a couple of friends. Bear Canyon or Bear Trail or something like that? Uh, it's just called the switchbacks out of Mutual Dale. There's these switchbacks. And yeah. we were coming down them, and I got killed. <laughs> I mean, every switchback, I dumped the bike over. I'm on a 450. In fact, uh, I dumped the bike earlier in the day and broke the clutch lever off, and my friend took his – right, we, we looked what we had because I needed – it was nothing left. And so we took the uh, flashlight apart. He had a little mini mag. Took the flashlight apart and I used the tube over it. And anyway, went that's down cool. You, you got you got MacGyver on it, right? We, we hey, we got through. Got to anyway. Went down these, and I just got obliterated. <laughs> I mean, every they went down them fine, and every switchback I dumped it, and I'm going down now. Anyway, a couple summers ago, went back with uh, Jeff, and and we. It just just happened to be there and went up this went up it and it went up and it was just so easy, and it was so rewarding to realize this was a trail that I got killed on a couple of years earlier, just killed, no fun, and then now it was went and did it several times up and down right, but so the point here is the growth is so rewarding in this sport and that's what makes it so fun is, you know if this was something you mastered in three weeks. It just wouldn't be fun, right? But this is something that can be a life pursuit. It gets you out. It has so many positive things. You know, if there was a roadmap on how to be uh, Graham Jarvis and you just had to do this and this and this, we would all do it or whatever. But kind of what we talked today is something we each have to personally figure out, right? How far am I going to push it today? And what? how do I overcome all these things that we've talked about? We each have to come up with our own roadmap. But um, as as we do, I just, it's so rewarding to do some of these things and to go experience some of these places. I just came back from Baja, as I was telling you, and to go spend, you know, that's kind of full circle for me. I've, 10 years later, I went back and just loved it, had the time of my life down there and enjoyed it. And, you know, uh, this sport has a way to really pay dividends back in a lot of ways in our life, mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, it's a, it's a great thing. So, I'm all I'm all in. I love this. I think there's so many great parts of this. I think we can look at maybe how can I improve a little if that's what you're into. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're good where you're at, and that's also okay, fine. But um, I echo your thoughts on this self improvement and looking back and the satisfaction that comes from having improved and overcome is immense. I did a I did a podcast with it with a you know a a psychologist who was a dirt biker about a year ago or so. And he talked about just, he talked about just the, the mental side of this, how healthy he thought it was from, you know, a PhD perspective um, of how that really helps you in, in your life in so many different ways. And I'd never thought of it from the, you know, the mental health side of it. And it gives you that confidence and gives you something, it gives you something to aspire to. It gives you something to, you know, to work towards and, and helps build your confidence. And it's a really, really unique thing that we have because it's, think about what else in your life gives you, you know, the motivation to stay in some level of physical fitness and what else in your life gives you this desire to become a little bit mentally stronger. You know, I guess a lot of other sports, you could say that, you know, basketball, football, baseball, you know, maybe even golf to a certain extent. But this is something that we do, and it's it's very powerful, and it can be very, it can be very powerful, and it feels it seems like Sam and I have a lot in common. Where it's this is something that has really affected our lives in a, in a good way, in a very positive way, and maybe you can relate to that. 
and maybe this is something that you want to go you know to the next level so keep in mind that we're gonna do this with baby steps do this with incremental steps and make sure that you're having fun overall this is supposed to be fun if it becomes work if it becomes a chore every time then you're doing something wrong and maybe you need to dial it back just a little bit but I think if you will spend the time and put in the work and put in the effort that this is something that can really benefit your life and give you more meaning and give you more confidence and help awaken that like inner beast inside of you. We are, we are not designed to stay inside and to stay in offices and to always take the easy route. Like we, I don't believe that we were evolved as creatures to do that. I think we're, I think we're best when we're pushing ourselves and I just hope, I hope that we will commit, commit to doing that. So thank you so much, Sam, for coming over and, and chatting. It's been super enlightening. I, I bet you that a lot of people are going to get a lot of benefit out of this. So it's thank you so pleasure. much for coming over. Thank you. And we're gonna have to we're gonna have to go ride here very soon, and uh, you're gonna have to show me all your all your tricks, and maybe even get me to Baja one of these times. I haven't done that yet. Uh, looking forward to doing a ride, Kyle. So yeah. Well, that's great. Thank you so much. If you uh, if you have questions, you can always email me, Kyle at dirtbikechannel.com. If you want to um, support this podcast. One of the best ways you can do that is by heading over to my website. Um, it's dirtbikechannel.com. I have links on there where you can, um, you know, get links to Rocky Mountain ATV, Amazon Motorsport, uh, some of those places. That really helps to support what I'm doing here. Um, how do we? How do people? If people have questions for you, how do they get in touch with you? We mentioned your YouTube channel. Is that the best way? Or you know what? I I uh, love to go ride with new people. I always put that invitation out on on forums and stuff. So. Um, check out the YouTube channel. Just again, my motivation there is not to sell stuff. I'm just, I just like to motivate. I just like to watch stuff that motivates me to go out and ride. So if you like videos about that, I might soon do a voiceover in the future, but yeah, SOB channel, all one word doc, uh, on YouTube. And, uh, you can look me up on Instagram as well. There's links to, to connect there and you can just send a message. Love it. Okay. Well, we'll, uh, I'll cut you loose for now and hopefully everybody has a, a good week. I plan on putting these podcasts out a little bit more regularly. I've been really bad. Um, but I have a, I have several topics now that, uh, hopefully I'll get out in the next few weeks. So anyway, thanks again, Sam, for coming over and everyone, you guys know what to do. Just, uh, leave a single track. Thanks everyone.